This is Unearthed, a podcast brought to you by the WBRU News Team, and I'm your host, Audrey Kim. Bella Robinson started working the streets when she turned 18 and hasn't had to depend on a man ever since. I sat down with her to talk about a population that the Me Too movement has largely skipped over, sex workers. See, my guys bring me flowers and wine and give me two or three hundred dollars and they leave in an hour. I don't have to deal with their emotional luggage, explain myself to them. I also have a four, I'm 400 times more likely to be murdered than any other worker. Meet Bella Robinson, a wife at age 17, a sex worker at age 18, and now the executive director of Coyote, Rhode Island at age 53. Coyote stands for Call Off Your Old Tired Ethics. It's an advocacy group for sex workers' rights with a chapter in Rhode Island. Bella still makes a living seeing her clients as a sex worker, and she thinks a lot of people get it wrong when they talk about her job. We believe sex work means anyone that earns their money or living off erotic labor. So you have legal sex workers and illegal sex workers. You have people that engage in prostitution, whether it's street, massage parlor, online escorting. You also have porn performers, cam models, fetish models, um, phone sex operators, strippers. They're all legal jobs. In Rhode Island, what Bella does is illegal. But she believes she hasn't faced the right legal consequences because her arrest would give her even more of a platform. Bella started working as a sex worker under some really difficult circumstances. I grew up in foster care. My mother um, had mental, she was an alcoholic and a schizophrenic. And they allowed my mother to sign and let me marry a 41-year-old man two weeks after I turned 17. So I was a child bride. I used to go to a little mom-and-pop bar and shoot pool on a pool league, but I didn't know him well. And of course, I thought it was a good decision. And only a couple months into their marriage, things really, really went south. But he became abusive, and I didn't want to go back to my grandmother and hear, I told you so. And he I became kinda, like emotionally abusive? Oh, no, no, he raised his hand. He didn't hit mm-hmm. me, but I knew the next time he would. And he said to me, who else would want you? You're lucky I'll have you. And it was even though I didn't have a lot of self-esteem then, I knew I was smart enough to realize I was a trophy wife to a 41-year-old man. She knew the next time he might actually hit her. Living in her car in St. Petersburg, she befriended two drag queens who taught her how to survive through sex work including someone that the entire strip knew as Joey the Drag Queen. Now, Joey tells me what they're doing out there and tells me about condoms and what to charge and, you know, about safety as much as you can be on the street. And he never asked me for a penny, and I quickly learned I could get dates quicker than Joey. But I learned that if I turned one or two tricks, it paid for my hotel, my cigarettes, and my food for the day, and I would never have another man talk down to me or boss me around. Her life really hasn't been easy since then. She started getting into drugs in the following years. She's been in and out of jail a couple of times and moved around a lot. Well, I was trying to get out of the drug thing again. I had done five years in prison, stayed clean a few years and relapsed. And I left Florida with a couple that didn't do drugs and ended up in New Jersey. Bella floated around from Florida to New Jersey and then finally to Providence, Rhode Island in 2009. Somebody had told her about this loophole in Rhode Island law that meant prostitution was technically legal if it was indoors, and she couldn't believe it. And then, you know, when I moved to Rhode Island 10 years ago, 
Not only did I quit doing drugs, I quit dating losers and I live alone with my cat. I started picking daytime clients and setting boundaries. I don't want to see one after seven o'clock at night. They have to tell me who they are and what they did for a living and I can verify who they are. I don't give out my address. She's doing really well for herself now with a solid client list and rent money. So it created a lot of safety for myself. And once I started making better decisions, I was more empowered, could make more money with little risk, become a low volume provider, only see three or four clients a week. And my God, I'm old and fat. Okay. Only six months after Bella moved here, all forms of prostitution were declared illegal in Rhode Island. And this made life a lot harder for Bella. All forms of prostitution are a misdemeanor. They also created laws that if you knowingly rent to a prostitute that um, you could be charged with a misdemeanor and get a $10,000 fine. There was also, there's still a law, it's a silly law, that if you say you're a massage therapist and you don't have a license, they can charge you with a felony. Stricter laws concerning sex work around the nation have made Bella feel more endangered than she has ever felt before. In many states, if you have a prostitution conviction from 20 years ago, and you are beaten and raped and left for dead in an alley by a stranger, they're allowed to bring it up during the trial. To her, human trafficking narratives have made sex workers look like helpless victims. She says this is actually silencing people in the industry. This is always about catching a trafficker. That's what the U.S. laws are. It's not about supporting poor people or victims or or helping someone that has been exploited. It's about forcing people to exit, expecting them to remain in poverty and just be good women. Bella says victimizing sex workers rather than seeing them as a population coming from diverse backgrounds prevents progress. Bella believes these laws demonstrate a blatant disregard for women and women's rights. And sadly, nothing, none of these systems are in place to help the people involved. It's to shun them because they just won't be good women. As a sex worker, Bella is under much more risk of being sexually and physically assaulted than women in other jobs. Well, sex workers didn't get a Me Too moment, because again, we get what we deserve. To her, the Me Too movement hasn't kept up its promises to those that need it the most. I'm in college and I go to a frat party and I think he's my boyfriend and he lets his his friends uh, run a train on me, I might be too embarrassed because people are going to say, well, why would you go upstairs when you were drinking with a room full of... There's all this, you know, stigma and victim blaming. But Me Too was started about poor women who were waitresses and maids. And if they complained about sexual harassment on the job, they were fired. It became about Hollywood's casting couch, about privileged women with HR departments. In fact, she says that it actually has gone too far in some ways, and not enough in the ways that matter to poor women, especially poor women of color. It just has gone too far, and I think what's going to happen is real victims of violence are not going to be believed. And Me Too out in Hollywood? It makes her feel angry and ignored. In 2015, when Amnesty International released their proposal that we should decriminalize prostitution globally, to protect the human rights of sex workers. Hollywood was the first one that came out and said, oh, no, we can't do that. That's horrible. Prostitution's bad. Bella says Me Too's ideals of consent, healing, and sexual assault prevention isn't actually reaching the often ignored sex industry. Bella believes that society as a whole has to reframe the way that it views commercial sex. 
I think the thing that we need to do is promote um, consent or some of the same things that we did for LGBT rights. 30 years ago, if you beat a gay guy up in the street, your neighbors would come out and cheer you on. And look what they did. They had to get decriminalized because they could go to jail for being gay. They needed discrimination legislation and hate crime legislation. And even then, it took a couple more decades to shift social perception that now if you're going to hate on gay people in public, you're going to be called out on that behavior. So we started to, and instead of seeing them as something other than us, they're you know all infected with HIV and they're different than us, we started to see them as individuals who were families, who were people, who were our brothers and sisters and neighbors and people that we know. So it's the same thing. Society and people that want to support sex workers, you can support sex workers, right? Does not mean that you approve of prostitution or the sex industry. It just means that you understand it's not okay to continue to abuse this population because you don't like it and don't agree. Bella thinks that to actually help sex workers, listening is the most important first step. Criminalization creates exploitation. It increases violence, increases exploitation. So whether you criminalize someone for prostitution or criminalize someone for crossing a border, you have now made them more vulnerable to exploitation because they can't tell on the bad guys anymore. It's pretty simple and logical. Despite all of Bella's work with Coyote, social stigmas, and Rhode Island laws hold strong. Bella is really, really busy. She travels to college campuses across the Northeast to give talks, plans rallies, leads trainings, and on top of all that, keeps appointments with her clients. I consider this a generational fight, and I'm only doing my part, because even if we win to crime tomorrow, they're going to try to take it away like abortion, so this isn't going to ever be over yeah. anytime soon. We actually had to cut our conversation short because Bella had a meeting at the Rhode Island chapter of the American Civil Liberties Union, or the ACLU. As I said, she's really busy. I just have one last question. I know uh-huh. we're running out of time, but um, if you could do it all over again, would you start sex work? I think I would, and you know why? I am who I am today because of those experiences, and if I didn't have them, I might be someone else, and I like who I am. This episode is brought to you by the WBRU News Team in Providence, Rhode Island. Special shout out to Ellie Morimoto, Elise Hart Kipnis, John Klein, and Chris Bannon for their help. Also, big thanks to Credo Duarte and Alex Stewart for scoring our intro music, and Yashi Wang for our swanky graphics. The mission of Unearthed is to have people talk to one another, so we'd love to hear your thoughts. Leave us your comments on iTunes, or DM us on Instagram, or email us. Thank you for listening.